Police officers know it only takes a few seconds of someone texting and driving for things to go terribly wrong. That's why officers are increasing enforcement of texting and driving laws. So put your phone down when driving, or be prepared for the consequences. You drive, you text, you pay. Paid for by NHTSA. The sweet aromas of the apple fritter, cinnamon roll, and blueberry muffin are hard to resist. So making it the rest of the way home without reaching in your McDonald's bag is no easy task. But nothing worth doing is easy. Wake up and pair any one of these sweet, fluffy, frittery bakery treats with a McCafe iced coffee. Get any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price and participation may vary. the Attention Era Media Studios in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. This is Two Up Front, presented by Three Lines Pub. I'm Baxter Colburn. No Simon Provan today. He is off for good reason, though. He is getting uh, hernia surgery today. He has a hernia and a herniated belly button, and he is uh, in the process of getting the surgery and recovering from that. So, Simon, we wish you well, and can't wait to have you back on the show soon, hopefully Thursday. We'll have to see if he is in uh, fit condition or not. If the if the Vizio will let him play or not, we'll have to we'll have to keep an eye on that. But uh, we'll give you updates as we know more about Simon, and we uh, certainly wish him a speedy recovery. We've got a great show for you today. I will do the best I can as I try to when Simon's not here to hold down the fort. Two great guests joining us on the shopfutsal.com call-in line. We will have Christy Mewis of the Washington Spirit. Kind of weird to say Washington Spirit instead of the Boston Breakers after she spent so many years there. But she was traded in the offseason, so she is moving on to the Washington Spirit. Uh, We'll also be joined by FC Kansas City's Mandy Laddish as well. First time for Mandy coming on the show, so it'll be great to get her thoughts and perspective of everything going on in the soccer world, uh, especially for how she thought her 2016 campaign went and what 2017 may have in store for her and for FC Kansas City as well. Regardless, though, we want to take a quick minute to remind all of you that you can listen to the show live Tuesdays and Thursdays from 12 to 1 p.m. Central Time, live right here on Spreaker.com. If you ever miss a live show, you can go and check it out on our website, the number 2upfrontsoccer.com. And, of course, we are also available on demand on Spreaker.com, iHeartRadio, and just recently on TuneIn as well, among many other places. But you can find all that information out on our show. If you want to interact with the show, Facebook and Twitter are the best ways to do it. Uh, Two Up Front on Facebook, and then at Two Up Front Soccer on Twitter, at Baxter Colburn, at Simon Provan. All right, a lot of great things to get to today on the program. Uh, a couple of things, the U.S. Uh, men's national team, MLS, uh and we'll start. We'll start with the women's game first, though, because this is some might argue is the biggest story that has been going on for a long time. Uh, U.S. Women's National Team forward Alex Morgan has agreed to join Lyon in France on a six-month deal. Now there was a lot of speculation on whether whether or not Morgan would uh, be jumping ship altogether and go and make a new permanent residency over in France. We're still. Uh, waiting to hear about if Crystal Dunn is going to do the same thing. Uh, I personally haven't heard anything. If you have heard something, uh, obviously let me know. I would like to like to be in the know as well. Crystal's a good friend of the show. She's been on twice already, and 
like to hopefully get her back on again before she, if she does go to France, I'd love to get her on uh, one more time in that regard. So, uh, looking at well, what we have planned so far, you know, going on, looking at Alex Morgan, she's going to be gone for six total months. Um, she will be joining, uh, she'll be rejoining uh, Orlando Pride uh, of the NWSL uh, back in May, I do believe, is when it's going to be taking place. Um, so basically, she's going on a six-month deal with an option for her to play a further season. So it's kind of an interesting, interesting story. For those of you that are big Woso fans, you have, I'm sure have been tracking this very closely You've been trying to basically stay in the know and say, all right, is she going to go? Is she not going to go? There's been arguments whether or not her going would actually be good overall for you know for U.S. soccer, for Alex Morgan as a whole, too. She's 27 years old. You know, she's done nothing but score goals, basically, since she's been around. She's you know been a part of the U.S. women's national team. She's got 120 appearances for them. She scored 73 goals. You know She's got a gold medal to her name, a World Cup. She really hasn't missed, you know, in all honesty. Some might argue that 2016, though, not the greatest year for Alex Morgan. We had that conversation uh, with RJ Allen of Backline Soccer uh, last week on the program, briefly about her, but mostly about Amy Rodriguez and Sydney LaRue. Dan Laletta was here, too. Uh, he chatted with us about Alex Morgan's production, kind of dipping in 2016. So uh, keep an eye on this, though. This could be uh, a big thing for Alex Morgan. We've seen players go on loan before or you know, go on these smaller contracts and then get to the end and be like, you know, uh, I'm having a lot more fun here. I think I'm going to stay and make a lot more money too because, you know, Alex Morgan and others have been pushing for Federation players to make more money. Well, this is one way for Alex Morgan personally, even though I'm sure she's sitting just fine with the amount of sponsorship deals and endorsements that she has uh, to to be content with with her what the number is that she sees in her bank account at this time of the year, uh, so Alex Morgan, uh, keep an eye on that. I'm curious to get your guys' thoughts though. Good idea, bad idea for Alex. You know, six months. Can a player make that big of an impact in six months? You know, we've we've seen players, of course, come and go uh, throughout you know the course of soccer history, and some have had you know immediate impacts. Some have been kind of iffy. You know, other you know, Jermaine Jones on the MLS side of things comes to, comes to mind for me at least for the for the New England Revolution. He, you know, blew onto the scene for them. Only played about a half a year, made an instant impact. You know, on the same flip side, you see other players come in and it's like, oh, that's right, this player's on our team because they just don't actually do anything, even though it was such a big hoopla that you got to actually sign the player. Alex Morgan, we know she's a quality player. We know that she's capable of doing really really good things. She's only 27 years old. I'm really curious to see what she has to has to offer. It was also interesting too. She said, uh, "Leon is a team that's world renowned for excellence, with a roster that includes many of the greatest players in the world. In fact, Leon won all three possible titles last season: Champions League, French League, and Coupe de France. Uh, they are committed to growing women's soccer and provide the women with first class facilities and an unparalleled training environment on par with the men's team. That doesn't happen here in the United States. That's the honest truth about it. And I know that." Those of you that are hard advocates for women's soccer, you're nodding your head probably right now going, yeah, wouldn't that be nice instead of having to play at a college or having to play on a turf field that also has football lines on it. You know, there's, you could go on and on with a lot of these things. And Alex Morgan, I think, is doing the right thing in this situation. I, I fully support this move for her. And honestly, if there's other people that end up wanting to go do it too, why not? Because we as a country should welcome our players to play at the highest level possible so that way, then our national team then plays at the highest level possible. And I think playing in Leon is 
is a great move. I really, I really think so. Uh, let me know your thoughts though at Baxter Colburn, uh, at Two Upfront Soccer, at Simon Provan. Easiest way to let us know your thoughts instantly, or as you're listening back as well too. We check Twitter a fair amount. Um, I wanted, I wanted to, to razzle Simon, but because he's getting surgery, I'm not going to be mean. I'll just say Liverpool won uh, in 94th minute fashion. Uh, that's all I'm going to say about it though, uh, and move on from that. I don't want to make it a bigger deal than it needs to be. Uh, CONCACAF, the 2017 Gold Cup host cities and venues have been officially uh, dished out. Uh, looking across the board, you've got some pretty pretty normal places that you host CONCACAF games at. Uh, I will say the thing that I, the one city that I'm not seeing on here that I'm a little disappointed about is Chicago. That's the closest city for me, at least being here in Milwaukee. So that's kind of a bummer here looking across the board. Um... Yeah, California, Texas, Pennsylvania, Arizona, Ohio, Florida, Tennessee, New Jersey. Yeah, that's interesting. That's interesting at all. But um, United States, though, they, uh, of course, are going to be, you know, some might like to say they're going to be a heavy favorite. Uh, They're still waiting to hear a little bit more about all the teams that are going to be playing. United States, Canada, Mexico will be in here. French, uh, Guyana, Jamaica, Martinique, uh, Caracas. Also, uh, the United States will be in Group B, uh, Mexico Group C. Group A has yet to be determined about who will be the uh, the, the, the big seated nation uh, in that regard. So uh, it's going to be interesting. I'm really curious to see how the United States fares under Bruce Arena. We know, of course, that he is capable of winning. Don Garber even called him, you know, the best man for the job that, you know, I guess at this point in the stage, yes, he's the best man that's going to come in and, you know, apply the Band-Aid and put some tape here, some glue there, and say, all right, let's hold this baby together and just get us through the World Cup and really hope for the best. But is that really what we want, though? You know, you, you don't necessarily know what your team is capable of doing until you're really put to the test with a new manager. Now, I think Bob Bradley is a great manager. Not Bob Bradley. Oh, I think he's a good manager, too. But I think Bruce Arena, rather, pardon me is a good manager. And I think that he's going to definitely raise a lot of eyebrows. He's going to be under... I don't. I wonder how much of a pass he's going to get, though. That's, that's really the question for me. Because he's been here, done that before, he did pretty well from a successful standpoint, I mean, depending on who you ask. But are we going to be content with a non-final finish in the Gold Cup? Are we going to be content with a semi-final or less finish in the Gold Cup? I know that would be really hard to do, considering the teams that are going to be there and the players that the United States has, but if that does happen, are we okay with that? I don't think we should be. I think any time the United States is in an international tournament, they should be expected to be a quarterfinal minimum team. And I know quarterfinals uh, can be neither here nor there, but especially in the Gold Cup where the United States has had so much success or at least done a fairly fairly well consistently if you're not making if you're not making the semifinals consistently we have a problem i think uh i think a lot of folks would agree with that i mean like i said i'd like to i'm always curious to get people's thoughts about that you know at baxter colburn at simon provan at two up front soccer uh with your thoughts and reactions to that so uh we've got a great rest of the show coming up here i know a lot of you are of course sitting here waiting saying all right can we just get to christy muse can we just get to mandy laddish yes yes we can uh we're gonna get to christy yeah we'll get to christy now how about that we're gonna head to a break when we come back christy muse of the washington spirit not the boston breakers of the washington spirit will be here with me and you can catch that interview right on the shopfootsall.com call in line we'll be right back it's two up front presented by three lines pub stay tuned
Welcome back inside the studio. It's two up front presented by Three Lions Pub from the Attention Era Media Studios. I'm Baxter Colburn. No Simon Provan today. Simon is recovering after a long and grueling, no, I'm sure it wasn't that grueling, but he had hernia, hernia wow, it's easy for me to say, hernia surgery today. So he is uh, on the on the IR for at least a little bit. Um, he thinks he might be good enough to join the show on Thursday. Uh, I, I, I've obviously never had surgery like that before, so I'll, I'll leave that up to him whether or not he believes he is fit to play or not. So uh, either way, Simon, we uh, hope you are feeling better. And we will look forward to having you back on the show on Tuesday. Well, we get the opportunity to have two different great players on the show uh, today joining us on the shopfutsal.com call-in line. Uh, we talked about it in the beginning of the show, uh, the first of our two guests today. Uh, she was playing for the Boston Breakers, but then her offseason got a little crazy and she got traded. It doesn't happen very often, but when it does, it usually involves some high-profile players, and I believe this player certainly falls under that category. She now finds herself playing for the Washington Spirit. It's Christy Mewis, and she joins us on the shopfutsal.com call-in line. Christy, good afternoon, and welcome to Two Up Front. Hi, thank you for having me. Absolutely. It's great to have you on, Christy. Let's talk about the trade right off the bat there. Uh, you, you're just going about your business there in the off season, and all of a sudden you find out that, uh, hey, you're, uh, you're moving. It wasn't that, it's obviously not that far of a move from Boston to you know, where the Washington Spirit play, but uh, what was your immediate reaction when you found out that you would no longer be playing in the Boston area? Um, I mean, my initial reaction, obviously, you know, it's, it's obviously hard to leave your hometown team. Um, you know, this is where I was born and raised. I went yeah, to college yeah. here. Um, and I had three, I had three good years here. Um, but I was just, I was excited, um, because I wanted to try something new. I had been in the same spot for three years and I think I needed to challenge myself. Um, so I was really excited because I had always admired Washington and how they played and the coach and like all the players and just like the way that they are as a team. So I'm just really excited to be joining them. I feel like there's got to be a little bit of frustration, though, for you. You were probably like, yes, I get to play with Christine Naren. Crap, she got traded. Oh, I'm going to get to play with Crystal Dunn. <laughs> oh, she might be going to France. It's like, is anybody staying yeah. anymore? Uh, that's got to be a little a little frustrating. <laughs> yeah. But that also opens the door, though, for someone like yourself to be more of a focal point of the offense as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I've played with Crystal and Naren um, a lot growing up. And I really, you know, obviously, I guess admire is my word today, but um, I obviously admire the way they play and do wish that, I mean, I do hope that I will be able to play with Crystal. And it is disappointing that I don't get to play with Naren because I think she's uh, one of the best players in the league. But she is a special um, player. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah, she really is. Like, I really look up to her. Um, so, I mean, I, I still think it's going to be a great team. Um, Washington has always been, you know, top notch. So I just, I think that we're going to somehow pull it off. Absolutely. Yeah, well, Washington last year, I think, I don't know if surprise is the right word, but I think certainly uh, answered the call uh, for most people last year by coming all the way to the championship and unfortunately losing the way they did, but still a very entertaining season from them and, you know, Coach Gabarro and company doing pretty much everything that they possibly could right but you know when you when you go up against Lynn Williams and the magic that was happening in western New York it was next to impossible to really combat what was actually taking place but uh, I want to talk about your campaign last year for you you, you played 14 total games you got a goal and an assist last year uh, traditionally for those that follow you they know that you like to score the goals but uh, last year was a bit of a, a quieter campaign from you was that just Boston as a whole in 2016 or was that stuff that you were just having trouble finding the back of the net 
I think probably like a little bit of both. Uh, obviously, it's been a struggle um, for the past couple of years with Boston, and um, I was battling. <laughs> we can be honest. That's fine. Yeah, we all we we we've yeah. said, we've been critical of them well, on I mean, the show no, too. It's no secret. Like it's not a secret at all that we like struggle have struggled a bit. Wait, Boston um, was bad last year. <laughs> I'm joking. Sorry. Anyway, yes. <laughs> it's all right. Um, I was obviously battling a couple injuries last year, so yep. I was really just struggling most of the season. Um, and I just, I mean, I hate to like make excuses, but I just, I don't really think that I was fit and ready to be back on the field when I was. And I just think that my injuries weren't um, like taken seriously enough. So I just really struggled the whole season. Um, but I mean, I took some time off and I'm just ready to go. Like I, I gave my body a rest. I just think I've been under a lot of stress the past, my body's been under a lot of stress the past couple of years with you know, going overseas and stuff, and I just haven't really had a chance to rest. So I'm good now, and I'm recovering and um, just getting back after it now. Talking with Christy Mewis of the Washington Spirit here on the ShopFootsall.com call-in line. Christy, I want to actually head back across the pond like you had just briefly referenced. One of the things we always like to ask players when they do have the opportunity to play in the NWSL, but then also go abroad and play for a year or two. You got to play at FC Bayern Munich, which is awesome. Uh, you also got to play at another team in Japan that I'm not even going to try to pronounce. But um, I, I'm, I'm curious to get your thoughts about the differences in the two leagues, or the three leagues, I guess, you know, compared to what you see in NWSL also on a weekly basis. Uh, yeah, I mean, we'll start off Japan. Um, I played for Iga FC, um, and they were probably just like the most technical bunch I've ever played with in my entire life. You know, like they weren't the most athletic team or the biggest team, um, but just the way that they move the ball and how, um, you know, just like mentally they are just so there, like all of the players are just so smart. Um, so that was a really good change up for me to kind of like, that sounds fantastic. Like it was, it was yeah. funny. Cause like, yeah. Cause like I thought that like my athleticism and like my size would kind of like take over that. And I consider myself like a pretty smart player, but these girls were just like, pinging the ball around me in 5v2 like <laughs> I've never seen before in my, in my entire life. Like, they were just so good and, like, the sweetest people I think I've ever met. Um, so, yeah, I was there for, like, four months um, and uh, played in a bunch of games, and it was just – it was honestly an awesome experience. I went over there with uh, uh, Rachel uh, Van Hollebeck, and we lived together, and it was so fun. Um, and did a lot of traveling and stuff while we were there. And then um, – and then I went to FC Bayern Munich uh, last year and stayed there for around the same amount of time. And the German league is just so structured, so physical. Um, and that's a whole not- – I mean, it was, like, completely the opposite from uh, Japan, kind of, you know, because everyone's, like, athletic and big sure. and tall. And, uh, yeah, so, I mean, I just – I think I was able to learn a lot from my two experiences overseas. Absolutely, yeah, and it's it's interesting too because you kind of take the experiences that you took in Japan and Germany, and then you bring that to the NWSL, and that's kind of like the melting pot. We hear all these different styles that the NWSL has. You know, I've talked to a lot of players where they're just saying, "Hey, it's just a really fast league nowadays. It's not even as much as technical as it used to be." Is that kind of the trend you're seeing with the NWSL? Is it more of just kind of a run and gun league, or is it is it transitioning to like maybe more of a technical or more physical style of play? Um, I think it's, I think it's just crazy. Cause I think that every team in the NWSL is like very different and they all have their own style. Of play. Oh, yeah. Um, whereas I feel like more so in other countries, every team 
um, tries to play the same way. Uh, whereas here, you know, like everyone has so many different strengths, mm-hmm. so many different like um, people from other countries in the NWSL. And I just think that each team kind of has to evaluate what they have and what their strengths are. And um, at the end of the day, you know, Western New York just completely outplayed every team and they had the best season. And I think that's why they won. I just think that they played their best soccer and that's why they won. I, I gotta, yeah. I gotta ask because we've had your sister, your your little sister. Some people might forget that your little sister Sam on the show before, and I, I tried to, I I dodged around the question lightly because I didn't want to cause any tiffs in the family. But I, I was curious to know on your end from the receiving side after those Washington, or pardon me, those Western New York Flash Boston games last year, um, what the what the vibe was at you know Thanksgiving or something like that after she kind of <laughs> was like, yeah, sorry, I beat you guys into the ground a lot last year. <laughs> no, Sam knows better than to bring it up in front of me, that's for sure. <laughs> good, okay, you've got an understanding, that's good. Yeah, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, we're competitive with each other, but I think that uh, Western New York was definitely one of the teams that Boston did not match up well against, um, and, you know, they, I mean, we did tie them one time, and I thought we had, like, a really good game against them. Yeah, but, absolutely. Um, yeah, but, I mean, at the end of the day, they were just better than us, and, they had an unreal season and Sam like played absolutely unbelievable and she's only getting better now. So, um, yeah, I mean, I was really happy for her, but, uh, we keep it pretty professional. We don't really talk about it. <laughs> okay, that's good. So when she when she wears her championship ring home for like Easter or something, you'd be like, okay, really? Come on. Like, let's just, let's just not yeah, talk about the it. Other day, the, the other day she started like waving her medal in my face and I was, it was just like hilarious. <laughs> Well, she told me that your parents wear um, half and half sweatshirts, basically, or no, they are opposite sweatshirts, and they switch at halftime. I believe. Yeah, I it's think like that's the silliest thing ever. But like, hey, you don't want to have you don't want to have a favorite child, you know? You don't want to you don't want to come up with that mantra, <laughs> be like, oh, Sam's better than Christy, or Christy's better than Sam. It's like, well, you guys have your own <laughs> strengths and your own positions, obviously. Yeah. So, okay, last question for you, Christy, before we let you run. Um, so, first of all, thanks so much for, for joining us. It's been it's been a lot of fun. Um, I'm curious, uh, it's been three years since you have been a part of the U.S. Women's National Team. Uh, Jill Ellis uh, recently coming out saying that she's basically bringing in a whole fresh crop of players over the next you know several months. Uh, what do you think you need to do to be a part of that, uh, one of those call-ups or one of those camps? Um, I mean, I feel, I feel like I say this like all the time, but, um, I feel like I'm like saying this to everyone, but I just feel like I need to narrow down like a specific position and like be better in that position than everybody else. And I think that I'm a really good like utility player. Like I do a lot of things really good, but I don't do certain things really great. So Mm. I think that that's gonna that's gonna kind of separate me from everybody else if I can really do that in the off season and at the beginning of uh, next season. So I'm kind of just focusing on that and really trying to truly discover who I am as a player. Um, obviously, I want to be back and I want to be healthy and I want to be rested. So I'm really like focusing on recovery now and still getting treatment and stuff on my injuries. So um, I think that's gonna kind of separate me. So I'm just like really working towards that goal because obviously being on the national team is my ultimate goal. Um, But I mean, I also don't think that I deserve it right now. And I don't think Mm. that I deserve it after the couple seasons that I've had. So that takes a lot to, that takes a lot to to say that too, because sometimes you hear players, you know, saying like, Oh, I I really, you know, I I feel like I just, if I'm given my chance, but the fact that you are honest enough to say, 
I just, I just don't, I don't deserve it right now. Like you would be doing yourself and the country as a whole a potential disservice because of what you were saying. You know, your injuries and everything you've got going on. So I, I admire you for saying that. So that, that, that doesn't have to be an easy thing to, to accept currently. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say something that's not true. I'm not going to like sugarcoat anything. Like I genuinely don't believe that I deserve to be on the team right now. But that's just pushing me and motivating me more to get the call in at some point in my career and that's what i'm pushing towards and that's an ultimate goal so that's awesome well christy i'm really really glad we got the chance to talk thank you so much for stopping by two up front today let's do it again soon okay awesome thank you so much again for having me anytime anytime there goes christy mewis on the shopfutsal.com call in line we're gonna run to a break when we come back mandy laddish of fc casey will be joining us as well to chat with us a little bit about what they did this season and what she's got coming up as well in 2017. Stay tuned for more. It's Two Up Front, presented by Three Lions Pub. And welcome back inside the Attention Era Media Studios. It is Two Up Front, presented by Three Lions Pub. I'm Baxter Colburn. No Simon Provan. He's off today. He'll be back again, hopefully on Thursday. I never really know with him after he, uh, well, we, we talked about it, obviously, earlier. I'm not trying to be mean about it. He's getting, uh, he's getting hernia surgery, so he is recovering at the moment and uh, will be, Lord willing, back with us uh, on Thursday. Our, our, our Christmas and New Year's schedule is going to be a little different. You know, traditionally, you can get us Tuesday, Thursday uh, from 12 to 1 p.m. Central Time, but um, we, we haven't officially nailed down our, our, our Christmas week and well it is technically Christmas week holy cow is it really five days until Christmas unbelievable uh, special plug I guess if you're still looking for a, uh, a gift go to go to twoupfrontsoccer.com and you can buy a, a twoupfront uh, t-shirt give that to one of your uh, loved ones that loves the soccer game but also uh, maybe enjoys the show as well too a good a good gift uh, in that regards. All right, uh, moving along with the program, we just heard from Christy Mewis of the Washington Spirit. It was great to hear from her. Now we get to head over to uh, FC Kansas City for our second interview on the show today. Joining us on the shopfutsal.com call in line, she wears number seven. She used to wear number 25, and we'll have to ask her about that in a moment, why she changed numbers. But she wears number seven now. It's Mandy Laddish, and she joins us now. Mandy, welcome to Two Up Front. Hi, thank you. It's great to be here. Well, it's great to have you on the show. I, 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 we were talking about it off the air, Mandy, but uh, you gotta, you got to ask or got to tell us why you changed your number, I guess, because you were 25 and you're like, well, no, I'm seven now. But <laughs> what's, uh, what's the deal with the number change? Yeah, I just felt like 25 was a little bit of a big number for me. I, I wore two in college, and so I got used to a smaller number. And then when I came to Kansas City, they gave me 25. And it's just a little bit of an awkward number. So I decided that I would switch <laughs> down to something a little smaller, a little closer to you know, a midfield player's number. It didn't get exactly what a midfielder might wear, but seven is close, so. That is, that's true, I, I yeah. Like that. No, there you go. Do you have, uh, some people, like, when they get the number, they, do you have a specific player that you identify with by wearing number seven? You're like, oh, I wear number seven because XYZ used to wear that number. No, I don't. Number seven just happened to be one of the lower numbers that was open. You know, oh, okay. coming onto a professional team, most of the numbers are already taken. So yeah, all the good numbers, right? It's just about what's available. Yep. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly. interesting that seven was available, too. But, uh, yeah. well, well, Mandy, we're, uh, we're thrilled to have you on the show today. Uh, you had a, a pretty darn good season, uh, part of FC Kansas City. You guys almost made the playoffs again after being so so dominant for the last couple of seasons. Uh, you played 19 games in 2016. No goals or assists from you. I'm curious to get your thoughts about the, uh, the goose eggs in both of those categories for you in 2016. Yeah, you know, I, I, pl- I played a little bit deeper this season, and I just think that 
ultimately I just underperformed in that, in that aspect of my game. I think that one of my, one of the things that I need to work on as a player is my shooting. And I think that that came up to show I do, I do a lot of the dirty work in the games where I'll win tackles and I'll make plays happen, but I don't always get up the field as far as I should. So, you know, I think that that was a little bit disappointing for me that I wasn't able to get any goals or assists this season. Um, but you know, that's something that I'm working on and working towards improving for next season. Well, for what it's worth, looking at the stat line, you were actually third on the team in total shots taken with 22, uh, for what that's worth, I guess. But you were definitely, you know, you're, like you said, you were more of a, a defensive, just more of a doing the dirty work, which was very obvious with a lot of the you know, style of play. But Kansas City was an interesting an interesting bug uh, in 2016. We had Yale Everbush on the show about a month or so ago, and we asked her about it as well, too. But the the difference about not having Amy Rodriguez and Sidney LaRue on your team really changes the entire team, I feel like. But uh, you had some great players step up. Shea Groom had a had a great season. You know, Yael scored mm-hmm. a couple of goals as well, too. But you know, what was your perspective of, of what you saw after this team being so dominant for several seasons to then not even make the playoffs? Well, I think one of the biggest things was we lost a lot of veteran players with a lot of experience. It was really hard not to have Sydney LaRue and Amy Rodriguez, but we had a lot of players retire. You know, Amy LaPelvet, Leanne, uh, Lauren Holiday, all of those players were key players for us. And, you know, for me as a player, I was, I was so grateful to be able to learn from these uh, veteran players who have so much experience, who are so savvy on the ball, technically, tactically. It's amazing playing with them, watching them play, seeing what they can do for our team. Um, so losing them, I think a bunch of us had to, you know, kind of get into a different role this season. So for me, being in the midfield, being one of the only ones left from the previous seasons, yeah. you know, I kind of had to step up and take on a completely new role. And so I think really for us, it was more of a rebuilding year, trying to get used to each other, trying to figure out how we were going to navigate losing these key players that we had before. And I think we did, you know, a pretty decent job. Shay did have a great year. She stepped up. Yeah, in the back did an awesome job. I mean, she moved back in 2016 to uh, center back, but or not 2016, 2015 to center back. And then she did great for us this year at center back as well. So, you know, I think it was just trying, all of us trying to figure out our new roles, trying to, you know, bring up the tempo and keep it to where it was. But obviously we're going to have a little bit of a, of a slack when we're losing all of those fantastic players. That is true. Yeah, you very rarely see teams that lose such high caliber players rebound and be like, oh, we're completely fine and just kind of pick off where they left off. And after winning, right. you know, 14 and 15 NWSL champions. Uh, right. when, you, when you look ahead to 2017, you know, Lord willing, you'll get Amy and Sydney back and hopefully bring mm-hmm. in a couple of other players also. Does this FC Kansas City team have what it takes to be a threat next season based off of not only what you've seen with other teams this offseason making moves and players getting shipped all over the place, but do you do you think you're realistically going to have a shot to, to make a deep run next season? Yeah, I definitely think that we will. I think that we have great players who have gained a, another year of experience this past season. So I think that will add to us next year. And then, you know, obviously getting Amy and Sid back and then any moves that we make this this offseason will, I think, will do really well. You know, I don't think that we were that much different from the other teams in the league. I think that all the teams in the league are very good and anyone can win on any given day. So for us, it's just about 
gaining consistency. And I think that with that extra year of experience, with these extra veteran players coming in, that will be a little more consistent this season. And I definitely think that we have the talent to be one of the top players or one of the top teams in the league. Yeah, and I have to agree with that as well, too. I mean, when you when you win two championships, it's hard to really get that mentality out of your mind saying like, look, we, we know what we need to do to win the game and to be a successful team. So let's just get back to it and really make a mm-hmm. difference on the field. Speaking of right. making a difference on the field, Mandy, you were a part of the uh, the Notre Dame uh, national championship team back in 2010 when you were a freshman. What was what was your experience going from that college game to the, the professional game? Some people say obviously playing at Notre Dame or UNC or even Stanford is about as close as you can be to playing at the pro level at the college level. Uh, what was what were your, what were your kind of thoughts in that transition after you know before you got drafted in 2014? Um, you know, I was a little bit surprised with how high the level was in the pros. I mean, I, I shouldn't have been surprised, but I was because, you know, they tell you that playing at Notre Dame, playing at UNC, you're going to be prepared. But realistically, the players in this league are so good. They are so smart and they are so talented that and it's it's not just a few players. It's every single player in this league is oh, yeah. talented. They are driven. They are athletic. So it's really two steps up from college. So a lot of times college players, myself included, will come in thinking that we're going to do pretty well. And then you saw my rookie season. I didn't play a minute. So, you know, it it took me a lot of navigating to figure out, okay, where are the gaps in my game? And I was very fortunate to be put on Kansas City because Black Andonofsky is a fantastic coach, especially defensively. And I think that was one of my gaps in my game was defensively. I wasn't challenged as much in college as I was in the pros because everyone is so savvy technically tactically in the pros that there are things that are there are parts of the game that you don't pick up and I think a lot of it is because the season for college is a little bit too short um it's Mm. only three months you can't really work on these tactical things or even maybe the technical aspects of your game that you would in a professional season because you're just so focused on these two games every weekend you only get a couple days of practice and you're exhausted because you are playing two games every weekend and going to school on top of that yeah exactly that, that little thing right getting a degree yeah trying to... yeah so <laughs> you're 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 maximizing in academics and sports so you're exhausted so then by the time you get to the pros i was lucky you know Vlaco worked with me tons on my defensive shape uh, just my tactics defensively and i think that really helped to elevate my game to where i am now and I obviously still have gaps in my game that I were going to work on, hence the goose eggs and the assists and the goals. But <laughs> it happens. You know, I think, it happens. Yeah, I think I'm continuing to develop, and I'm, I'm very grateful to be on the team that I am on because you know I've I've been so fortunate to learn from players like Lauren Holiday, hmm. Leanne Robinson, Becca Moros, Becky Sauerbrunn. Those kind of players are have made me better as a player. So you know, it's 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 one in one regard I wasn't prepared, but it was okay because the players are so good that I was able to figure out what I needed to work on quickly and then begin working on it immediately. Exactly. And you're listing off, you know, players that can be considered the all-time greats of U.S. women's soccer as well, too. Oh, yeah. From a younger player's perspective, to be able to sit there and be like, I get to learn from them? Okay, wow, great. That's awesome. Uh, Yeah. I'm curious, Mandy, um, talk to me about this salsa dancing thing here. Uh, Supposedly, you used to salsa (laughs) dance before your games. Um, Yeah. I, I 
I have I have a ballroom background myself, among other things. Um, I, I'm curious to get your thoughts about uh, <laughs> where the salsa dancing came from. Oh, this is funny because this always gets brought up in my interviews. I guess this is a big deal among among the soccer community. It's but, unique. Um, and, I like it. It's it unique. is. I guess at Notre Dame, you know, we were always up and dancing before games. We had a pretty big locker room, so there was tons of space to dance. We had a huge speaker system. Perks of going to Notre Dame schools. Woo. Um. So. Uh, yeah, I would just get up and salsa dance, and oh, it was not good. I was <laughs> no? a couple of my friends. No, it wasn't good. One of my friends is Puerto Rican, oh. so she plays for the Puerto Rican national team. Actually, her name is Nicole Rodriguez. Of course, um, she was trying to help me figure out my salsa <laughs> dancing, but you know, I I don't know. I don't I don't think I have quite the rhythm that I need to salsa dance. My legs and arms don't move at the same time, so oh, it's, I'm okay. a little out of sync, upper body, lower body, but okay. you know, I like to just have fun and go for it, so at some point, <laughs> I just don't care anymore, and I just do it. And You're like, whatever, as long as you're having fun and loosing it up yeah. before the game, too, and I'm sure yeah. your Puerto Rican friends, too, are just like, really? Like, is that, yeah. that's how you, <laughs> like, that's how you salsa dance? Like, this oh. is so bad, you shouldn't do it. I'm like, I'm gonna do it. I'm doing it. Yeah, yeah exactly, as long as it going. loosens you up. Well, one, yeah. of, one of the final things, Manny, before we let you go, um, is it's always interesting to talk to players that have had experience with the U.S. women's national team at the lower levels. Uh, based off of what Jill Ellis is doing right now, this uh, this new influx of younger players, you know, bringing in players that maybe were a part of the system a long time ago or just are younger and up and coming in NWSL. Uh, w- when you hear information like that, does that how much more does that push you to not only want to be more dominant on the field, but to try to get back into the good graces of uh, now Jill Ellis uh, in charge of the women's national team? Yeah, I mean, I think making the national team is a goal for almost every player in the NWSL. So in that regard, my goals haven't changed. That's always been a goal to make it. But the, the fact that she is bringing in younger players, I guess, does provide a little bit more motivation for those of us that are that are younger and are hoping to get a look at some point or another. But I mean, really, it's it's an honor to be called into the national team, and you don't you don't get called up unless you deserve it. So mm. you know, I I, um, I will continue to push and continue to grow my game. I, I definitely think there I have a bunch of gaps that I need to work on before you know I'm gonna ever you know get a whiff of that. But <laughs> um, I yeah, I think that it provides motivation for everyone and it gives everyone in the league, especially the younger girls, a little bit more hope that they are looking. They are yes, looking yep. to diversify the team. So yeah, I think that everyone in the league is feeling a little bit more motivated, and it seems a little bit more realistic that they could be there as well. So. You know, but I, I have a lot of competition also that I see. So that there, there are so many, so many great girls in this league, like I said before. So definitely an honor to be called up for whoever is called up. And I feel like anyone would deserve to be there in this league. There are tons of girls that deserve to be there. So Very true. Well, speaking of an honor, Mandy, it has been an honor and a pleasure as well to speak with you. Uh, I hope we can do this again sometime soon. So thanks for taking some time today. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. There goes Mandy Laddish on the shopfutsal.com call in line. When we come back, we'll dive into MLS a little bit more, see what the heck's going on in this offseason. 442 had a great article about some players that should be coming uh, supposedly back to the United States. We'll talk about that and more. It's Two Up Front presented by Three Lines Pub. Stay with us.
Welcome back to Two Up Front, presented by Three Lines Pub from the Attention Era Media Studios in a really, really cold Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I'm Baxter Colburn. No Simon Proven today. He'll be back again either on Thursday or next week at some point. He is recovering from surgery. So we wish you well. If you want to tell Simon, uh, send him some well wishes. Uh, he is at Simon Proven on Twitter. Uh, if you have any interaction or thought about stuff we've talked about on the show today or other past episodes, uh, you can go at Two Up Front and at or at Two Up Front Soccer rather, and at Baxter Colburn as well on the Twitter world. Uh, Two Up Front on Facebook, uh, Two Up Front Soccer Gmail dot com. If you have a long form version of a response or something you'd like to tell us about. All right, moving into MLS, uh, we've had a good show today, haven't we? We've had uh, we had Christy Mewis on the show earlier of the Washington Spirit. We just got off the phone with Mandy Laddish as well, uh, all guests appearing on the shopfutsal.com call in line. It's always such a it's a great experience to be able to realize that there are so many players um, that are just just genuinely nice people. You know, they're all obviously fighting for the same the same common goal, trying to get to the, the their respective national team, trying to be the best player that they can be for their national team as well. And it's been uh, it's been just an honor and a pleasure to be able to spite, to speak to so many uh, fantastic ladies and, and and men as well too for MLS players and USL players when we've had the opportunity to have them on the show. Uh, first thing I actually want to get to really quickly uh, involves a, a friend of the show, Kyle Gregg. Uh, we've had him on twice now from uh, Whitecaps FC2. Uh, it looks like he's getting promoted. Yes, he is. Uh, the Vancouver Whitecaps have officially signed Spencer Ritchie and Kyle Gregg to the senior team, which I think is absolutely awesome. Uh, they're each going to get a one-year deal with a successful one-year uh, uh, with successive one-year options through 2020, which I think is awesome. Kyle Gregg, uh, he did make four starts on the senior team last year. Uh, he compiled a ton of goals in USL action, 13 goals across all competitions, and three assists, and led them to the Western Conference title. Uh, the Western Conference title game in the USL. So I think Vancouver, uh, who needs to address their scoring issues, has made a absolutely fantastic move uh, in that regards. Richie, on the other hand, um, he let's see here. He had eight wins as a goalkeeper, 57 saves, and a uh, little under a point seven uh, oh save percentage in 17 starts in 2016, including the playoffs as well. Too both uh, have played for the senior team at times. Uh, but also uh, definitely players that uh, should be really excited to to be having the opportunity. So congratulations, Kyle, as well, too. We know that you uh, are definitely capable of doing some great things. All right, uh, let's take a look here at an article by 442 uh, talking about uh, five players in Europe that uh, should come back, should come home to MLS. I think this is very needed. And a lot of these players I agree with, in all honesty. Brad Guzan is the first one on here. We've all heard the rumors that he is uh, going to be playing for Atlanta United. Uh, he has been struggling to find playing time with Middlesbrough, stuck behind Victor Valdez, but Middlesbrough as a whole just hasn't really had the 2016-17 campaign that they were really looking to have. Let's be honest about that. If you're a Middlesbrough fan, I'm sorry about that. You should have really thought better. Uh, and chosen a team like Arsenal that consistently lets you down but does just well enough to keep you excited. Anyway, that's not important. We're not talking about Arsenal right now. Uh, but no, Brad Guzan 100% agree that he needs to be coming back. Uh, the next player on this list is Eric Lijak. Or Lijak. I, can say it, I can say it in my head, but I can't, can't say it when I'm actually needing to say it out loud, if that makes any sense. You guys know who I'm talking about. L-I-C-H-A-J. Lijak? 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 I don't know. Regardless... 
Uh, he plays for Nottingham Forest uh, over in England. Uh, left back. He's got Chicago roots. This guy is a very good player. He's a young player. Um, he's still on the right side of the 30 mark, which is what you want. Uh, he spent a little bit of time with uh, the national team. Not very much. Uh, we could potentially see him coming back. I mean, we know, I mean, being from Chicago, we know that the Fire are, of course, looking to shore up their defense after just a dreadful 2016 campaign. Why not bring back uh, a guy like Eric that could really help bolster the defense as a whole? Next guy that we've heard rumors about uh, in terms of Minnesota, I don't think it's actually going to happen, is Tim Ream from Fulham. Uh, There's a center back need. People need center backs. Uh, And it's it's a vital part to any team, in all honesty. But yes, Tim Ream could potentially be coming back. Uh, The pool as a whole... When you look at the U.S. men's national team, Jeff Cameron, John Brooks, Matt Beasler, Steve Birnbaum, and Omar Gonzalez, those are pretty good players across the board. But Tim Ream, he's been, he was really toyed with during the Jurgen Klinsmann era, wasn't he? He would be called in uh, for two games or three games and maybe play for like six or seven total minutes over those couple of games and just not, not get a real opportunity to showcase that he's actually a good player. I think he's a good player. I think a lot of folks would agree with me on that one. But he just really hasn't found... Uh, his, his his fire recently, and maybe coming to MLS, coming to a Minnesota, coming to an Atlanta, New England Revolution. <clears throat> anyway, oh wait, New England doesn't sign players because that would actually require being a good team. Anyway, uh, yeah, I think Tim Ream is a great player. I think that he's got um, the opportunity to go back to the United States and make any team better. He was a great New York Red Bulls player for a long time, and uh, that obviously helped him catapult uh, to. Uh, over to England. Another former uh, Red Bulls player is Matt Miazga. I talked about this last time on the show. I'm pretty positive. The 20-year-old Miazga, who was bought for a ton of money by Chelsea, has only appeared twice for them in the 2015-2016 season. Uh, Then he's been shipped off to Vatisi on loan in the Dutch uh, league, as it were. Uh, He did score his first goal in a cup competition. He's made four appearances for the second uh, team as well that plays in the third division. It's it's not what you want to see from the future, supposedly, of the men's national team backline. You want them playing at a higher level. And I'm almost positive that nobody would argue against this, saying that MLS is better than the first division Dutch league. Almost positive. No, I am 100% positive that the Dutch league is by far a far less talented league than what MLS is doing right now. Miazga could easily come back for a lot less money instead of, I believe, like the $10 million that Chelsea purchased him for and really come and tear things up uh, in Major League Soccer. Again, as he did, I was a little I was a little apprehensive about the fact that he was purchased for so much money after he had a, he had a good season with the Red Bulls that led him to ultimately being paid a lot of money. But in no way was I looking at Miazga going, yeah, he's worth about $10, $15 million. He should deserve to go play for Chelsea. I never really thought that. I think he needed a lot more time to continue to develop as a whole. And uh, we never really saw that, in all honesty. Uh, the final player on this list is Emerson Hindman. He plays at Bournemouth. Uh, he uh, is an FC Dallas, uh, well, let's see here, uh, FC Dallas coach, uh, Shellis Hindman. People know who that is, of course. Uh, he's also a former, uh, well, I'm sorry, he's the grandson of former SMU and FC Dallas coach Shellis Heinemann. Um, but he has spent the entirety of his career playing in England. Uh, he's 20 years old, which is great. Uh, the only problem with him, though, is his third professional season as a whole has been an absolute bust. 
Uh, he used to play for Fulham, then he got over to Bournemouth. It just really hasn't been there for him, unfortunately. But of course, people that follow Bournemouth know that Bournemouth themselves has been disappointing in 2016. Another player that's young, another player that has the opportunity to come to the United States. We know that Bruce Arena is going to be looking probably a little bit harder at the players that play in MLS uh, when he comes to choosing the national team. And we've seen we've seen Emerson, we've seen Miazga, we've seen a lot of these other young players get opportunities under Jurgen under Jurgen Klinsmann, but never really develop into a lot. DeAndre Yedlin, some might argue, is the exception to the rule, but when you have speed, it kind of overshadows the lack of technical abilities that players might have in certain certain areas of their game. Either way, we'll have to see exactly what takes place. Um yeah, I'm not I'm not sure. I think all five of these players would do great personally. I think the more players that are young and have a lot of talent, a lot of potential would be the right word to can come back to MLS, I think is great. I'm never going to be an advocate. I'm never going to be a person that says no, they should stay in Europe. I do believe you should obviously play at the highest level, of course. But for some of these younger players that are still trying to find themselves and don't really know who they are as a player, that then they need to come back to MLS. It's different when you are a, you know, wonder kid by Christian Pulisic when you're starting consistently for Borussia Dortmund. Stay there. Do not ever come home because you will never, ever, ever get a better opportunity uh, aside unless Barcelona, Real Madrid, or Bayern Munich, basically. Those are the only three teams that, if I were Christian Pulisic, that I would really say at this point that I would willingly probably want to go play with because Borussia Dortmund is better than a Liverpool, is better than a Man City, is better than a Manchester United, uh, is better than Atletico Madrid, better than, eh, maybe better than a Juventus, that's hard to tell. I think they are. So he's really kind of limited himself to the teams that he can be bought by. We know Liverpool keeps throwing 30 to 40 million euros, or pounds, I believe, I guess, pounds, at Pulisic. That's not going to happen. Just, just stop. Stop while you're ahead of yourself. Uh Aside from that, though, looking across at other Major League Soccer news, uh, the Montreal Impact uh, were able to re-sign Dominic Orduro, so that's a good sign. Uh, congratulations uh, to them being able to uh, re-ink uh, a longtime MLS player. Uh, Sean Franklin has also re-signed a new deal with DC United, and um, it looks like RSL has also signed uh, Aaron Mound as well, uh, a defender for them. So good to hear that some of these players that have passed uh, through the drafts and through the free agency period have been able to secure deals with uh, the teams that they were already a part of that um, you know, the teams didn't really want to get rid of them. I haven't really heard much in terms of whether or not the Revolution are going to do much of anything. Uh, supposedly they've sent scouts all across the, the world, but um, they haven't done anything. So that's frustrating, in all honesty. Uh, one other thing, too, uh, Minnesota United is looking to... Uh, grab Miguel Ibarra's uh, MLS rights uh, to bring him back. Uh, he plays down in um, in Mexico, and I think they're trying to uh, bring him back since he was a part of their, their NASL days before he moved on to supposedly bigger or better things, but uh, we'll have to see what exactly takes place. Um, I don't really know much about this. Uh, I know that there is also guys like Simon have a bigger a bigger thought about this one, honestly, but um, the whole issue with Detroit City FC, uh, the NPSL team that um, says, get the hell out of our city MLS, and MLS is like, we want you to have a team. That would be good. That'd be great. More money and stuff. And people just aren't doing it. So that's kind of a strange 
strange thing. But like I said, Simon's a better advocate about a lot of that stuff than I am. So uh, we'll have to see you and ask him, I guess, when he uh, when he comes back and is in a, a better place uh, physically, mentally, spiritually, all that jazz. We're going to go to a break. When we come back, we'll wrap, show, we'll wrap the show up. We'll do an I Believe. And, uh, yeah, that's about it. Two Up Front, presented by Three Lines Pub. Stay tuned. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to the Attention Era Media Studios in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. It's Two Up Front presented by Three Lines Pub. I'm Baxter Colburn. No Simon Provan. He's got the day off uh, recovering from hernia surgery. We look forward to having him back on the show uh, either on Thursday or sometime next week. Reminder, check out our Facebook page and Twitter for updates as we get into the Christmas and New New Year's. Pardon me, New Year's. That's easy for me to say. New Year's season. I'll just have to open my mouth a little wider there. Uh, we will definitely be posting our, our broadcast schedule. Uh, traditionally, you can get us Tuesday, Thursdays, 12 to 1 p.m. Central Time, live on Spreaker.com and on demand on iTunes, iHeartRadio, TuneIn. Oh, boy, where else are we? The Sports Podcasting Network. We're everywhere. It's it's a great problem to have, honestly. The fact that you start to lose count of all the the, the platforms that your show is available on, I think, is a, it's a an awesome, awesome blessing, honestly. All right, uh, looking at all the great things that uh, involve the final segment of the show, you look at um, you look at the, the, the interview that Bruce Arena did recently uh, over at MLSsoccer.com talking about players that he would like to potentially call in for the January camp roster. They're going to be announcing that soon. Um, he was saying that he hopes to call guys in like Benny Fellhaber, Juan Agadello, Jossie Zardes, Darlington Naimi, Jordan Morris... Chris Pontius, Dax McCarty, Keegan Rosenberry, uh, Matt Hedges, Walker Zimmerman, among uh, others, Kikuta Mane as well. Woo! Um, Clint Dempsey will have to see exactly uh, what he's got going on with that one. But um, Kikuta Mane, oh, on the national team would be epic. Absolutely epic. Uh, we'll have to see if he gets uh, an actual call up or not, though. He just got his U.S. citizenship, so I'm 100% on board with Kikuta Mane. Uh, Ethan Finley, Demarcus Beasley, also others that uh, will likely find their way onto the show of course or not on the show well maybe if they, if they want to come out of the show they certainly can but no will find their way on to the national team yes that's the word i'm looking for uh one of the thing i thought was really cool actually that orlando city is doing talk about Borussia dortmund uh they are adding the wall to uh, their stadium 
If you don't know what the wall is, it is uh, a term that is very different uh, from what people might actually believe the wall is. It's not talking about the Berlin Wall. Uh, but in soccer, the wall is the uh, is a different concept, though. It um, is considered also what we see in Germany. Borussia Dortmund has the yellow wall. It's a giant, safe standing section for supporters. Um, so you you add that to Orlando, and you come up with a really really sharp looking stadium. Honestly, uh, apart apologies. Apparently, there's a cat that wandered into the studio. I'm not sure how that worked out. Anyway, uh, so Orlando City they have uh, this opportunity to, for their new stadium. It's going to be called Orlando City's Purple Wall, and it's going to be absolutely absolutely epic. So I, I'm really curious. I've never been to Orlando City's uh, state. You know, I wasn't able to get to their old venue. But uh, I think that this new venue is going to be absolutely gorgeous when I get down to Florida. I'll be down in Florida in January for some business, so I might have to try to swing by the the stadium uh, grounds, I guess, as they're preparing to build the new stadium. So I think that'll be really cool. All right, time now for our last segment of the show. It's our I Believe segment where I, and usually Simon, offer something we believe will take place in the soccer world. Um, I believe I'm going to use my I Believe to be sentimental, as I have done recently based off of different things happening in my life. I believe that, uh, I, I believe and hope that Simon will uh, will be just fine from his surgery and will recover uh, to 100% physical fitness and will return to the airwaves of Two Up Front in a very short time. Uh, partner, I hope, you're, you hope you have a speedy recovery and you feel better soon. Well, we've had a great show today. A special thanks to both of our guests joining us on theshopfutsal.com. Call in line. That was Christy Mewis of the Washington Spirit, and we also had Mandy Laddish of FC Kansas City joining us as well. If you want to get on the show, why not shoot us an email, 2upfrontsoccer at gmail.com. Let us know your thoughts and opinions. You can find us on Facebook, 2upfront, on Twitter, at 2upfrontsoccer. You can find me at, at Baxter Colburn and at Simon Provan. All the information you need to know about 2 Up Front can be found on our website, www.2upfrontsoccer.com. And anything else you need to know about the show, well, send us a message. We'd be happy to get back to you and let you know and hear your opinion about anything taking place in the soccer world. For all of us here at 2 Up Front, uh, I will be back again on Thursday. Hopefully Simon will be back as well with me as well. With our manager being the one above, we are 2 Up Front. Whether you're having a not-moving-off-the-couch-while-you-watch-the-game kind of day or a no-time-between-conference-calls kind of day, it can still be a delicious Dunkin' kind of day. And with Dunkin' now available on DoorDash, it's easier than ever to get your faves brought right to your door. So if you're looking for coffees, donuts, and breakfast sandwiches in the morning, craving some afternoon snack and bacon, or in need of Dunkin' refreshers for a PM pick-me-up, we've got you covered. Order now and get your faves brought to your door through Grubhub, Uber Eats, and DoorDash. Price and participation may vary. Exclusions apply. America runs on Dunkin'. Introducing touch-free payments from PayPal, a safe way for your customers to pay. Simply download the PayPal app and display your own unique QR code for your customers to scan. Whether you're a market seller, I'll take two tomatoes and a poodle pamperer, <laughs> piano tuner, or plumber, signing up to accept touch-free payments for your business is easy. Touch-free QR code payments. Shop safe with PayPal.